Hi, this is Jenna. And this is Kelly. You're listening to ODFM. This episode is One Devil from Murder. So this is a story about Michael Blagg, and he worked with my neighbor over in, in uh, Whitewater when we lived in Whitewater, our, one of our next-door neighbors, not the Whitewater widow, not different the, neighbor. This is a different, different neighbor. He worked with this, this family, this guy. Okay. This is about Jennifer, who was 32, and her six-year-old daughter, Abby. They went missing from their Grand Junction home on November 13th of 2001. This is Grand Junction, Colorado, of course. So 38-year-old Michael Blagg, so this is the guy my neighbor worked with. Okay. Um, he was the husband of Jennifer and the father to Abby. He called 911 and said that when he had returned home from work, he found the back door ajar and a jewelry box thrown on the floor of the master bedroom along with a bunch of papers. And there was a large splatter of blood on his wife's side of the bed. Like So Michael said when he left for work at 6 a.m., Jennifer and Abby were still in bed. And when he returned home at 4.20 p.m., they were gone. He'd called several times that day to check up on his family with no answer. And he left upbeat messages like, Hello, my beautiful bride. I hope you're out and about doing all kinds of cool and nifty things. Diddly doodly. Dude, that's creepy. <laughs> It reminded me of Ned Flanders. Oh my Diddly God. Diddly. Diddly. Have a good day. This is totally normal. <laughs> Oakley dokely. Uh, I'm so mean. Anyway, uh, at first, and I remember when this was all going on, everybody in the town kind of thought they were kidnapped by strangers because um, the Blacks, they were super clean reputation. Like they were evangelical Christians. They led prayer. They were Ned Flanders. They were the Flanders. They were the Flanders. And they consulted God for guidance every day. Michael was a decorated veteran and Jennifer was a homemaker. So we know how good Grand Junction was at that last case at Whitewater Mm -hmm. Widow. And it is amazing what they do with this case too. So it's pretty crazy. They have their own special crimes unit. Yeah, they put them on the case. They said I'm, I'm are, hearing the law and order do do. I know. Of my mind as you're saying that, <laughs> I might have to put special that in there. Crimes. Special okay. crimes. They're a group of highly trained investigators who tend to be good at getting to the truth. So at first, they wondered if there was a serial rapist or killer that was passing through the area, since that's happened in the past, like Ted Bundy. He had been through back in the really. Yes. Oh, that's that's so nice yes it's that like when you know like when you like go on the website to hear like grand junction come visit us yeah hold on ted bundy's (laughs) he kidnapped some girls from that mall yeah i also by the way okay so um they looked at all prior kidnapping victims across the u.s even they canvassed the neighborhood and searched nearby rugged areas for jennifer and abby but they waited in vain for ransom demands that never came because they figured they'd been kidnapped this whole time i know nothing Mm. so meanwhile the forensics team got to work on the house where the jennifer and abby had last been known to be the first thing they noticed were both the front door and the rear door of the house were open so they fingerprinted those doors in case one was touched by the perpetrator there were no signs of a struggle and no high velocity blood spatter that would have been seen from a gunshot wound there also wasn't any cast off off blood that happens when you're struck with an object Kind of like where you see all. I know all about that because of all my Dexter watching. See, I know. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, they noticed that oddly the blood ends at the bed. There wasn't a single drop of blood found anywhere else in the house. 
except in the garage. They found blood on the driver's side handle of the family minivan Ooh. and a bit on the steering wheel. And some drops were also found on the sliding door of the passenger side, but they didn't know whose blood it was at that point. So 48 hours after the incident, there's still no answers. And the police search databases for known child molesters and ex-cons in the area. And they widened their physical search. They were now searching on horseback and even by boat because there's two um, big rivers that converge there. So they thought maybe something had happened. So they decided to call Michael in, the dad, for a more detailed interview. And they have him recount his day over and over again. And he says he did see the back door open when he came home. And the bed wasn't made, which he said Jennifer always did. So he knew something was off. So the team starts searching Jennifer's belongings to see if she could possibly like met somebody and um, taken off oh, with him gotcha. or something. Like she, like she had been having an affair or something. But they found that she really didn't have any close friends in the Grand Junction area and mostly kept to herself. So they couldn't oh, find anything there. I know. Pretty sad, actually. Sad, oh. Yeah. But they did turn up something they thought was a huge bombshell. There's a paperback book they find in the Blag living room. And it's on top of the TV. And on page 55, Jennifer had written in the margins of the book, she wrote that she had been sick that day. So she skipped church and spent the morning with Stanley instead. Wait, she, she's like using this paperback book as like her yeah, diary? Kind of, yeah. And they, I guess it was some religious book. And so she was, I, I don't know. So This is just weird. I know. It's a little <laughs> it's weird. She said on there that she had an incredible prayer time with him and that she was giving him the keys to her life. And she even put the date on it. And it was the day before her disappearance. That's weird. Yeah, right. So the detectives questioned family, friends, and church members, but the Stanley guy totally remains a mystery. They can't find him anywhere. Meanwhile, the blood results come back from the home. And it all comes back to Jennifer, the mom. The fingerprints all came back to household family members. So that's no help there. And Hmm. they tried to determine if the amount of blood found could tell them if Jennifer was dead or not because of the amount. Oh, like how much? Yeah. Yeah. They decide that it is a pretty decent amount and there's a good chance that she's dead. Oh, this is not... Uh, heading in a good direction not, at all. Not good. So they still need a suspect to hone in on, but they're desperate to find out who this Stanley guy is. And um, they search Michael's work computer, but they find no evidence of an affair on his part, but it does give them a new shocking clue. An unsent email from Michael to Jennifer dated the day before the attack was on his computer. And it basically says he's sorry that they had ruined their day with their argument they had. And he's sorry he could have, quote, given the devil a foothold, unquote. Whoa. whoa, Yeah. Creepy. (laughs) So yeah, that gives them fire to kind of decide to take a closer look at him and his story. Um, The lead investigator started noticing some oddities about Michael. Like when he called 911, he had called immediately upon finding a mess in the bedroom, but hadn't searched the rest of the home for his family. So why? Okay. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. While on the phone with the dispatcher, basically she had to tell him to go look for his daughter in her room. He hadn't even looked for her. So she oh. went, yeah. You so don't have to look for the daughter if you know where she yeah. is. Did you go look for her? Mm-hmm. So she told her, go in her room. And, and oh. of course he goes in there and there's the whole tape. And he's saying, you know, she's not in here, but her school clothes are still here, laid out for the day. And the dispatcher like, mm-hmm. so you mean she never got dressed? He's like, I guess not. It was just kind of weird. You would think that you is search the weird. whole house if you don't find anyone. You know? Yeah. So okay. that was smart of them. Mm-hmm. Then they review the messages he left that day, those sickly sweet little 
Ned Flanders. Yeah, a little, little over the yeah. top there. Mm. Yeah. And initially mm -hmm. they sound all sugary sweet and he kept calling and sounding more anxious like you would expect. However, you know, he, he was panicking that he hadn't heard from them. But the investigators note that Grand Junction isn't that big. It literally takes maybe eight minutes maximum to get from his work to home. And if he's so concerned, why didn't he go drive home? Yeah. To check on it. Right. So another red flag. Red flags. Uh, if your husband's leaving like really extra sweet messages to you, it's a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No real husband does that. I mean, right. what? Exactly. <laughs> we know. That's not real. No. That's how we know. Yeah, we know these things. So they decide to search the family computer and they find a secret cache of over 860 pornographic photos. Oh. Yeah, it's a lot. So Michael's photo collection. <laughs> It reveal, yeah, and it reveals he's particularly focused on female domination, like men dominating women. Oh. So they start. I to connect, see. Ned Flanders, he is not. Ned. Well, I don't know. I kind of always thought Ned might be a little <laughs> kinky that way. Ned with that mustache. <laughs> so um, they start to connect the apparent control Michael had over with over Jennifer with the uh, porn that he also had. So mm -hmm. it seemed that as they, they didn't associate with anyone outside of church and family. And Michael seems to be obsessed with making sure they portray themselves in the best light to the outside mm. world. Yeah. Oh, that's how nice. Kind of makes you wonder if she's not allowed to have friends. And after searching frantically for the mystery man, Stanley, um, they find out that he's Dr. Charles Stanley, a reverend with a TV show. So he's a televangelist. And the episode, the episode oh that Jennifer had been watching the day she was sick, the day before her disappearance, was called The Keys to Peace. So she hadn't mm. met with Stanley. She had just <sighs> prayed with the televangelist Stanley on TV. And in that message that day, Stanley had strongly condemned porn, which makes investigators wonder if Michael's porn addiction is what sparked the couple's fight. Michael had written that. Yes. This is why if you're going to leave clues in a book, try to be as clear as possible. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, oh my gosh, so much waste of time. Like, be so specific. Much waste of time. Okay. So they question Michael about the argument, but he plays it down, saying it's because a recruiter had met with him about a possible job and Jennifer was angry he hadn't consulted with her first about it. He also claimed the porn was actually researched to keep the marriage fresh. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> That's the biggest load of class. Yes, Michael, we oh. believe you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And the cops. <laughs> Whatever, Michael. I'm just doing research. Okay. Jennifer doing... asked me to. <laughs> she asked me to research this. Oh. And I just said that I should probably oh, save it all. Yeah, so the cops don't buy it, but they can't prove he harmed his family, especially because they have no bodies. So the only thing that is left, a problem. Yeah. yeah okay. You need a body kind of. The only thing left to do was watch and wait. So they conducted a covert surveillance on Michael. And in Ooh. December, he moved out of the family home. This is December 2001. Um, a month later, investigators see him stealing from his work site. He's caught, like, on, they videotape him stealing. He's caught stealing a paper shredder and a table. Um, the paper shredder, I could understand, like, maybe getting rid okay. of evidence. But I don't know why you need the table. I, those are not, I don't feel like those are things that need to be stolen. Like, was there, is there not a staples? Yeah. In Grand yeah. Junction? Like, yeah, there, there's just, all this stuff. 
stuff. Couldn't you just go there and have it shredded? I don't know. It, it's, it seems so like they an bring, odd thing to steal. Okay. Right. So they bring him in for questioning. He denies the theft for hours. Like they, it, it's ridiculous how long he denies it. So they up the pressure on him using Bible verses even, but he's a tough nut to crack. Oh, that's, that's low. And I think they don't want, yeah. <laughs> hitting the evangelical with some Bible verses. Right, yeah. But um, they, I don't think they wanted to tell them that they had him on video because they're still having him Oh, right, right. They're still, they're still undercover so, here. They're still so he's not, keeping yeah. it on the DL. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. so he's not really realizing. But one investigator who was also ex-military, like Michael, said that every time they would talk to Michael about the military, his personality would change and he would get very talkative and kind of excited. And apparently he'd gone through SEER training, which um, stands for survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. And one of my other friends has gone through this. So yeah, with this training, they blindfold you, drop you off in the middle of nowhere and try to hunt you down like you're in a war situation. And crap. Yeah. It's like (laughs) brutal. And it teaches the skills necessary to survive and evade capture. And if captured, resist interrogation and know how to escape. So this guy is Holy shit. stuff. Yeah. And I mean, they get brutal with it. Like they break bones and shit from stuff I've, I've read, you know, and, and from friends. Right. You, you haven't gone through it. We're going to keep that also on the DL. Yep. Yeah. I survived my seer training. So... <laughs> I don't even like to go camping. I know. (laughs) I'm right here. Come get me. Come get me. Yes, I admit to everything. Just give me a beer. What do you mean there isn't a bathroom? (laughs) I give up. I give up. (laughs) (laughs) Who has toilet paper? Yeah. So it's very serious, Jenna. So eventually, after eight hours of interrogation, and, and mind you, this is just about... This is the, just for a paper shredder and yeah. a table. Again, yeah. Staples, but, Walmart, there yes. are lots of places that sell Lots of things. places. <laughs> but I guess they are, they are talking about Jennifer a lot in this too. And um, during those eight hours of interrogation, he does ask a strange question, which is, what's the difference between first degree and second degree murder? So please just, just shooting the shit. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. While I got you here, right? So they're kind of like I've been thinking about. Okay, yeah. So police felt like they're finally getting about getting through to him and and making him think about his choices and that they think he's just about to tell him what happened, but then after ten hours of questioning, it's like he flips a switch and suddenly he tells them he's done, and legally they have to release him. So they do. Now that so many kids are starting school with online learning, it's time to update the school supply list with stuff for parents who have suddenly become part-time educators. Yes, all the important things to start the year off right, like the mojito drink infusion kit and drink tumblers with sayings like, not slim, kind of (laughs) shady. And at the end of a long day of pretending to understand common core math, candles like anxiety girl infused with impending doom hit the spot. Mm. All of these critical back-to-school items and more are available at ThistleWellington.com. That's T-H-I-S-T-L-E-W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. ODFM listeners get 10% off when they use the code ODFM at checkout. So visit ThistleWellington.com today. (laughs) 
So the next day, they go to meet with Michael at his apartment for a scheduled meeting they had with him to discuss the stolen goods because they still need to deal with that. And he doesn't answer the door. So after several attempts to get a hold of him, they get the building superintendent or manager to let them in. And okay. they, they come upon a shocking sight. They enter Michael's living space, which smells kind of like car exhaust. So they get a little worried. Weird. They go into the bathroom and he's naked in the bathtub. And his wrists have been cut, but he's still alive. And, you know, they can't tell how hurt he is because it looks like there's tons of blood in the water. So they try to get him to give what they call a dying declaration of what happened to Abby. But he still denies he did anything. And I mean, he's sitting there like bleeding and, and won't give up anything. But not everyone buys his suicide attempt. Police think he's vying for public sympathy because it turns out the wounds on his wrists are very superficial and would never have resulted in death. Oh, yeah. Did it say why his apartment smelled like car exhaust? No, that was one thing I was like, "Ah." so I'm wondering if it's a house. So he must have had it. Yeah, I think he was trying to do all the things right before they came up to get him so that it would seem like I want them to really get that I'm faking. Yeah, like every suicide attempt. So what else can I do? I'm just going to go ahead. Yeah, I'll hang a noose too. Exactly. We'll just we're gonna stage the whole the whole deal. <laughs> Every suicide option possible, we'll put it in there. So okay. they still don't have enough evidence against him, and they need to find the bodies. Five months later, so after winter, because you can't really do much during winter in that area, they organize a countywide search team that's the largest in state history, with over two thousand volunteers searching by foot, horseback, and helicopter. In 10 days. Kelly, where were you? This is right I know. I know. I think I had my two tiny children, probably. So I probably didn't didn't want to throw them in like one of those like papoose things on your back. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's go out, kids. (laughs) Let's find some bodies. Yeah. And they searched, um, in 10 days, they searched hundreds of square miles, but still found nothing. But they discovered from interviewing Michael's work colleagues, and I wonder if they interviewed my neighbor about this since he was a work colleague. Oh, and by the way, Michael got fired after <laughs> stealing stuff from work, obviously. So he wasn't working there by And now. again, was it really worth it? Oh, really? For a paper shredder and a table? And a table? Mm. Yeah, no. Buddy, yeah. Mm. what are you thinking? Get so a hard drive, at least. I mean, come on. Right, something good, you know. No. So on the day of his family's disappearance, work colleagues were saying that Michael did something out of the ordinary. They saw him pushing a pallet jack with two large-sized cardboard boxes on it. The day he reported the girls missing, he had taken the discarded items on the loading dock near, and the place he worked was called Amatech Dixon. He had taken these things to the trash compactor, and multiple people offered <gasps> to assist him in, in getting rid of these boxes. And normally, he would always tell someone else to do the work for him, but he refused any help, which was uncharacteristic of his behavior. He did not put his daughter in a trash compactor. Oh, I don't know. Investigators decide to search the landfill. And at first, the landfill people didn't think the search was even feasible with the size and scope of the area that they would have to dig through. But police wouldn't take no for an answer. So they narrowed the search area to 200 feet by 300 feet by 30 feet deep with over 800,000 cubic feet of garbage to go through. And the next step was doing what they called potholing, where they would take the excavator and dig down vertically. They would pick out newspapers in the spot that this thing dug out, and they would do it over and over until they came across newspapers with the date 
near when the girls went missing. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so you can make sure yes. you're at least in the right area. In the right area. area. That's yeah. smart. Okay. And I mean, it's crazy. They did computer mapping of this and computer modeling of where um, Emma Tech Dixon's trash would have been taken because certain trash is taken to That's certain so areas. Bizarre. Okay. It was crazy. So for two weeks, they continue digging without finding anything in an area that often gets over a hundred degrees in the summer months and the oh my God. digging. Yeah. But Ugh. they keep going anyway. And on day 16, the bucket comes up and everyone stops dead in their tracks when they see a leg hanging out of the <gasps> bucket. No. Insane. And I took screenshots because of the show I was watching showed it. They Holy actually, yeah. crap. Wrapped in a tent is a woman's decaying body. It was identified through dental comparison as Jennifer Blagg. Oh my God. I know. The cause of death was a gunshot wound to the front of her head. She was most likely killed in her sleep because she was still dressed in her pajamas and she still had her retainer in her mouth and her eyes were closed. Oh my God. No. And they found all the items that were beside her was part of Emmett Dixon's waist. So they knew that it came from the garbage from his work. Ugh. So the same day, a warrant is issued for Michael for his murder in the first degree. Um, he's arrested the next day. And for the next 52 days, they continue searching through hundreds of tons of trash, but they never find little no. Abby. No. Never. So they finally <gasps> give up their search but they still think she's there somewhere. So sad. How oh you? my I know. God. And I remember during that time, like people conjectured that maybe he had given her to like his mom, you know, to go hide somewhere or something. But, you know, well, you eventually you'd figure, yeah. you know, she yeah. found her. <gasps> and at this point in her life, she would be 25 years old. So we would have heard something from her or some sighting or something. So. Oh my God. I know. So he goes to trial. They say what happened was Jennifer had planned on leaving Michael because of his porn addiction, but then rather than deal with public shame and expulsion from his church, <gasps> how dare I have oh to be God. expulsed from my church. Instead, <laughs> he kills Jennifer and Abby. Michael's found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. He hasn't been charged with Abby's murder because they haven't found her body and none oh of God. Abby's blood could be found anywhere, either in the van or in the house. So she just, she just flat out vanished. Yeah. It's so sad. <gasps> I know. Oh my God. So he's never admitted to Not, nothing. where she's been. <gasps> you know, and I know he actually ended up getting a second trial, a retrial, because one of the jurors had been caught lying about something personal. Like she, oh, she had been in a domestic abuse situation, but she didn't tell them or something. So he got a whole retrial because of that, but ended up getting oh. a sentence anyway. So doofus. So that's the story God. of Michael Blagg and Jennifer and Dang. Abby Blagg. I know. Isn't that sad? That is so sad. And they do have pictures of what Abby Blagg would look like today if she's still out there in case something and you can, oh my, find, that, yeah. you can find that on charlieproject.org slash case slash abby hyphen joe jo lag <sighs> sad but i'll post all those pictures online too yeah definitely we should definitely post abby's picture right. um sweet little girl and oh. innocent mama who so now we need people to write in their stories because we need more absolutely stories. we need more stories for mm -hmm. sure for sure we yes. need more stories i mean i'm um, i have plenty more around me <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different story a right there. I know. So. Oh my God. 
I seriously want to hear someone else's. So yeah. <laughs> I think I think I have one or two other ones. Um, one that I'm researching still. Um, but yeah, we could use some other ones. Some of them mm -hmm. take a little longer to research than others. So yeah. So so we could use some other stories, and they don't have to be. You know, again, it can be like a degree of a degree of murder. Yes. We're okay with that. We're yes. cool with that. I mean, this you is know? like a degree of a degree for me. You know, as my neighbor's guy he worked with. So. Right. Totally. Yeah. So. So write in, it is one degree from murder at gmail.com or on Facebook, it's one degree podcast or on Instagram, it's one degree from murder. Tell your friends about us. If you like us, if you don't, then yep. shut up. Don't say no. <laughs> spread it anyway. Say, look at these bimbos. You got to listen to these weirdos. So now we're on what Apple podcasts, Spotify, oh all the big ones. We're on the big ones. iTunes. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's, it's like we're like a real thing. <laughs> we exist. Like a real thing. <laughs> I really am a real boy. Oh, wait. Pinocchio? Where did that go? I don't know. It's in the wine. It's in the wine. It must be the wine. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, All thank right. you for listening. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will be back again next week, hopefully with some new stories. Yes. Send some in. We'll be yes. here with our wine. and. And subscribe yeah. and listen and, and even rate us if you want. <gasps> yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Okay. That is exciting. All right. Bye. Bye. My sources for this episode on Michael Blagg was the charlieproject.org, nine news article by Anna Staver, and an episode on the investigators called Downloading the Devil. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM, hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful or disrespectful. This podcast was created using Anchor. If you have a story you'd like to submit for a future episode, please email it to odfmpodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram at ODFM Podcast. And check out our website, odfmpodcast.com, for more information on our episodes, your hosts, or general shenanigans. Mm -hmm.